Welcome back to God's Work Displayed. This is actually our second episode in what I'm calling a new season. It's kind of a new series. Uh, we're still going to be focused on people with severe and uh, profound intellectual disabilities, but um, we're going to look more in detail about some of the nitty-gritties of what Scripture is telling us on how we as individuals and we as congregations and even communities of believers are to respond, how we are to care for those, um, and look at some more of the details of what Scripture is saying and how that plays out practically uh, in um, our lives and in our church lives. So last time we went over the Good Samaritan, which is often totally misused um, and misunderstood as to what the implications of that parable are. But we discussed how really that's the implications are is that individuals are to care for other individuals, and that oftentimes the care needs of an individual may um, be beyond what one person can handle, but they are not to turn it over to um, some welfare agency or some governmental agency, but they are to invite others in to help for that, and then to remain involved to the best of their ability. When Jesus is teaching this, he's really not coming out of left field. Okay, This is not, in a lot of ways, a lot of what Jesus teaches is nothing new. A lot of what Jesus teaches throughout all Scripture is already in the Old Testament. He's just explaining it better. He's reminding them. He's helping them understand more fully what's going on. So today we're going to look at some things that are occurring within the Old Testament um, to see how this plays out, and then and then maybe even talking about some some ways that you can um, follow these instructions, follow these teachings um, as believers, and what our response is to be in this. Before we get started, uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer. And uh, just, again, they're still doing construction in front of my house, so if you hear thumps or beep, beep, beeps, or any of that stuff. Uh, Just ignore that. It's going to be in the background. Hopefully it won't be too loud. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Gracious Lord, we are so thankful that you provide us technology that allows um, us to be able to communicate with one another, allows for me to be able to um, share um, what Scripture is teaching, uh, teaching me and how I'm understanding and how that should play out. Uh, that people around the world can hear this. And uh, I just ask that you help our hearts be softened to um, recognize where we are failing and how we are totally dependent on you, on the work of the Holy Spirit to illuminate um, areas in our lives that are deficient and that we are dependent on Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection for our salvation and our hope. Uh, So please um, make this time uh, profitable for us and for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, And if you noticed it in the prayer I mentioned around the world, uh, I have an analytics option that I can look at um, for this podcast host. And it's kind of neat, and it used to break down a little bit more, and for some reason I can't get it to to show me more information, but uh, there are people from all around the world that are listening, and I know maybe one person that is, 
But I'm really not sure where a lot of the other people are listening from, unless you have some sort of VPN that's bouncing your signal from other places. Um, but I, I know there I've seen listeners from Germany, um, France, Ireland, um, the Philippines, and probably a few others, as well as the U.S. Um, so I just appreciate that. Um, and if you can just spread the word about this podcast, if you can share that with others. Currently, if you're sending messages to uh, the social media page on Facebook, um, you're not going to get a response. I'm kind of on a uh, hiatus from from that, um, from Facebook in general. So I deactivated my account for a while just to just get a break from some of that. So if you're trying to get that, get a hold of me that way, I apologize. You can't, but you can always email me at godsworkdisplayed at gmail.com. All one word, and um, I can check that. That's not a problem. So feel free to contact me that way as well. <clears throat> so back to what we were talking about. We're talking about the Good Samaritan, how that's really not a new teaching. And if we get back into the Old Testament, Jesus is obviously um, deeply uh, entrenched in what's going on in the Old Testament. Um, and is pulling from that when he's teaching. He's he's not really necessarily teaching anything new other than the, uh, the fact that he is the Messiah and he is the Christ and that he is um, their hope and salvation. That's kind of the new thing. But in terms of ethics, in a lot of ways, nothing's new. Um, what's new about the ethics of the New Testament is that where before Christ... It was impossible to do that um, because we didn't have the Holy Spirit residing in us, with the exception of rare occasions that are mentioned in the Old Testament. Now, those of us who are in Christ, post-New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, and so we are able to live the lives that we are called to live, the ethical teachings of, of what... Uh, is in scripture is now possible for us to live um, and so that's that's really the distinction and what's new uh, we can get into some of this stuff about the covenants and what applies and what doesn't but what I'm specifically talking about is the ethical teachings the the morality that's existing there those in a lot of ways still apply um, whether you hold to covenant theology or dispensational theology or new covenant theology, or if you have no idea what any of that means, it's okay. We do. You don't have to 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 hear this. So, um, like I said, Jesus is pulling on Old Testament stuff in the Good Samaritan. He's already referenced the Leviticus. Remember, he's engaging with the lawyer. He's already referencing Leviticus. Uh, but I think that it's also helpful to look in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, in a lot of ways, it's kind of just a review of previous laws or kind of a even exposition of laws already listed within the prior four books of the Old Testament or the expansion of it at times. So um, I think it's helpful, though, if we look at what's going on in Deuteronomy as well. So in Deuteronomy chapter 14, chapter 14, uh, at the very end of that chapter, verses 28 and 29, you see a really interesting thing. And I'm going to read it and then I'm going to kind of explain what's going on here. So uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. 
At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year and shall deposit it in your town. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town shall come and eat and be satisfied, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Okay, so what it's saying is that, no, this is not a tax. This is a tithe, and it's a little different. And we're not going to go into the differences, but just trust me that it's different. What it is is every third year, every three years, you do this. You save up um, a portion of your what you grow or what you raise, and you s- take it to a place in town that's been set aside as kind of a repository of this excess um, from your from your area. And then what that does is that feeds the Levites, who their primary job was to facilitate the worship of God. And so that was temple stuff, all the rules and things like that. And so they didn't necessarily have time to be full-time farmers or to have a trade that they could do that full-time. They So they were dependent on um, their, the other Israelites to provide for their needs. And um, in a lot of ways, uh, one can make the argument that uh, this is in part why we pay pastors. Um, so this this is also going into that. Um, but then also, not only that, it's not just for the Levite. For our what we're talking about in terms of our podcast, though, is that then it talks about the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town, and they'll be able to be fed and satisfied. What this is establishing is that Lord is looking out for those in need. Okay, his establishment before they even enter into the promised land of ways to care for those in need. And it doesn't say, send everything to Jerusalem, which is where our central government will be, and then we'll redistribute everything as needed to each area. No, what it was is it was just in the town, the town or the village, and it took care of the people in that town. Okay, And the beauty of that is that when you are caring for local people, then you get to know the local people. You get to know them. You see the aliens. So you see that um, Moabite, and the only reason I thought of Moabite is because of Ruth. So that's an example, though, um, who who's in town. I mean, that's how they knew her. This small town. She's the alien in the town. They know that they're going to have to care for her because as long as she's doing what she's supposed to do as an alien in the town... Um, or think of it as an immigrant, then then she'll be fine. The orphan as well. You know, you're going to know who's who's lost their parents. You're going to know who needs care. And so you're going to know them. Okay, but this reminds, this is to ensure that they've got enough. Same with the widow. So that's what's going on here, is that it's it's still an individual thing. It doesn't say specifically what you have to bring. It just says a tithe. Um, of your produce. So it doesn't say you need to give so much money um, or whatever. It's just the tithe, and that's kind of an already established thing. And in my book, and this is the plug for the book, so buy it if you want. Um, but in your my book, I kind of talk about this a little bit. So I'm going to actually read it um, and give credit to myself. Uh, and then I'm also, within that, I'm going to quote Peter Craigie. 
And I referenced, um, he has a commentary on the book of Deuteronomy in the New International Commentary on the Old Testament, and that's from uh, 1976 is the version I have, or I've, I've looked at. So um, I'm going to kind of just read this section, so please forgive me if this is long, um, but here we go. So God is putting the onus of responsibility upon those he has blessed in physical benefits to care for those in need. Peter Craigie says it is this and it says it this way quote, the type of community envisaged and anticipated in the promised land was one in which the majority of men and families would be self sufficient in terms of producing their sustenance and living from the land. There would be there would inevitably be members of the community, however, who are not self sufficient. The system of ties described in these two verses enabled both groups to learn and understand their continual dependence upon God. God this refers explicitly to the covenant people of God, and Israel at that time was a nation state that was specially protected for God. There, this is no longer the case, because the gospel is very clear that God's people are no longer confined to one ethnic, language, racial, or geographic group, but rather those who participate in the new covenant which was inaugurated through Christ. So, to correctly apply this to God's covenant people would mean that God's people, the universal church, are being called to set aside funds to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Listen to that last part. We are being called to set aside funds to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Okay? This is a hard thing. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is something where, I'm, in a lot of ways, I'm trying to live this out, um, but I, I feel pretty terrible at it. So, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll admit that. But one of the things me and my family try to do is we try to reduce um, our needs, um, so our household expenses. And the purpose of that is then that frees up more money for... Um, use of the kingdom. I'm not saying we make a lot or that um, that's a it's a great thing, but that's we're not called to, to give a lot, we're called to provide um, or to give based on what we have. Think of the widow with the uh, you know giving away her, her two pennies essentially that was all she had. That's kind of what it is. So what would that look like for different families? Um, and we'll just go ahead and do some of the practical, pragmatic things. Um, so each family is different. Each family has different needs. Um, each family has different priorities and values. I hope that we all have uh, a core basis of values based in the gospel. So wh what is one thing? Well, you know, people talk about this, but, you know, there's kind of been a joke like the latte tax or the, the avocado toast. You know, do you go out every day because you have to have, you think you have to have your fancy frou-frou coffee? Now, my, you probably don't. I'm not saying that those are bad things. They're not bad things. They, God has allowed us to be creative in, in how we do culinary things, how we do all kinds of things, so, and arts and things. There's nothing wrong with us, but uh, I think that it is unwise, probably, to spend eight dollars a day on coffee um so that that adds up so i'm not going to do the quick math but it's it's a lot if you multiply that out by 
um, a whole year. What can you do with those mo- that money? Well, there's a lot of things that you can possibly do, and a lot of people are going to give you different advice. Um, and I would, it just really depends on your circumstances. So I'm not going to propose to to do that at this time. Uh, or your avocado toast <laughs> for like twenty some dollars. Or <clears throat> let's let's think of another one. Not only is money something that you you need to be wise with, but your time. I'm not always wise with my time. I've um, frittered away at different things a lot of times. Um, and that's that's not good. How often? How do you fritter away your time? Do you spend it watching television for hours on end with no intentional purpose? You know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying a good story told on a television show or a movie. Um, well-crafted artistic um, entertainment is nothing. There's nothing inherently immoral about that. But if you're, if it's not a wise way to spend your time then then it is, that is a problem um, connecting that to money so what if you just didn't have your cable subscription you know and I don't know how much it is different places we haven't had cable for like 11 years so I have no clue I watch television we have other things um, but that's that's and that's actually one way we saved a lot of money with our house um, or with our household budgets, say, um, you know, do you go out to eat a lot? Well, that's that's a question about your health too. Then, and so then you've got other costs. And so, then, if we're fritting away these these little bits of time, our health, our money, all this on things that just give us temporary pleasure, are we really being beneficial to the kingdom? Are we? able to uh, set aside funds or um, even goods if you can make certain goods or do things like that are you able to set them aside for those in need to care for them to have a personal benevolence fund let's say you know a lot of churches have benevolence funds are you do you have a personal one and are you contributing to your church's benevolence fund a lot of churches do this well a lot of churches do not so but I, I the the idea is really good, I think, is that uh, people come to churches for needs a lot of times. And so, uh, oftentimes, the deacons are in charge of that, and we see that kind of modeled in Acts, and then even in some of the letters, the deacons kind of take charge of this. Uh, and they will then assess that need, they'll assess that problem, and, and, and try to meet that need. And if they have funds in the benevolence, they will tap into that to do that. And that's a way that the congregation, the group of people, can serve individuals. And, and then hopefully the, the point is that those are asking their need are brought into the contact with the rest of the church community and are engaged with the gospel and with um, practical love and with um, compassionate care from in, other individuals outside of the, de, uh, the deacons the, or the diaconate, as we would call that. So, that's how it is. And actually, um, I've read some things. And before um, the war on poverty in the 60s with Johnson and uh, President Johnson in the United States, a lot of um, what we would call welfare needs were met at a local level. Now, sometimes there was, there was probably a lot of um, 
racism or a lot of uh, bigotry or, or bias that went into that. But at the same time, you also knew that who it was that was getting it, and you could even use some peer pressure um, to get some people back to work as best they could if they were capable of it. But also, if you knew that somebody was not capable of it, then people would then know who that was and would set aside um, things to help care for them at times. Not always. This was not always perfectly executed, but I believe that there's more compassion possible in that. Um, when when you go to elevate it to a national or state level, you become a number, which anytime you use a number for a person, that's a way of dehumanizing them. And then also, um, it, it's very impersonal, personal, um, and it doesn't necessarily reflect the values of that community within, you know, even just at a cultural level, just a purely cultural level, that becomes problematic. Um, so this is, this is where the town, the town works together and functions to care for people in their, that are in their midst. What, and also we're given a warning about, um, kind of going to the government for this. And so in Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book, and it kind of tells us about what's wise and what's not. And um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 8, we are even told the problem about trusting in the government to care for people versus um, God's people. And it reads... Um, if you see oppression of the poor and denial of justice and righteousness in the province, do not be shocked at the sight, for one official watches over another official, and there are higher officials over them. And so what we're told is that, essentially, um, you, you, no, no one cares. Um, they just want to make sure they get what's due to them. And, you know, if you've ever spent much time um, dealing with governmental officials, then this is not surprising with you, to you. Um, and I actually in the book again, or I in the book I quote, um, I quote some, uh, Dr. Dwayne Garrett as well. He wrote a commentary on Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs from the New American Commentary, and it's from 1993. And, the book has the footnote in it. Um, and uh, he explains it this way. And I quote, uh, A certain justified cynicism is displayed here. If enough people have opportunity to enrich themselves by abuse of political power, some are bound to succumb to the temptation. And then I, and I quote uh, Juvenal. Who, if you're not familiar, Juvenal um, is a Latin... Um, Roman uh, rhetorician, philosopher, and um, he he has this quote in Latin um, that I'm going to butcher, but I'm going to try it. Quis custodiat ipsos custodes? Um, who, who, who watches the watchers? Is the kind of that, or who guards the guardians? So it's translated. There's different ways to translate it. Um, so who is over, who's going to oversee those at the top of the hierarchy? And I answer that the answer is God. And as we've discussed earlier, and that God is calling his covenant people to provide that care, individually and as a community of believers. 
All right? So, <clears throat> it's clear that small town, local level, yes, maybe we could, we could do that. Although a lot of small towns have corrupt politicians. Towns I've lived in are no, no different. The one I live in now has got lots of corruption in it. <clears throat> and what's, some of it's called uh, legal corruption, but it's ethically corruption. Um, the church is called to do this, the call to meet the need, okay? It's, there's a call for us to give up some of our stuff to meet the need of others, okay? There are areas in my life that I can probably start cutting out, that I, and I, can, I need to take a serious look at that and care for them. Yes, to care for those who have severe and profound intellectual disabilities, but also those others. There are other categories, and that's, that's kind of, right now I'm just talking about in general. Although individuals with severe and profound intellectual disabilities are going to have a lot of medical costs, are going to have a lot of housing costs because they need some modifications to their home. They're going to wheelchairs a lot of times or other equipment. Uh, there are therapies. A lot, of co- a lot of time needs to be spent with them as well. As friends, as companions, as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we've got... And we can't trust the government to do that. That's not their job. The government's job is not to do that. We can debate different uh, philosophies on what the government's job is to do. But from a biblical perspective, the job of the government is not to care for people. It's to provide just systems, just courts, it appears, um, and justice. And we saw that in Ecclesiastes even that... Um, that a lot of times though it corrupts justice even, um, but that's still to have uh, a just system of laws is still under a permissible purview of what government can do. It is the covenant people of God's job to care for those in need. So we have to be cutting out stuff. So in our individual lives, but we also need to ask our churches, are we spending our money wisely in that regard? Are we doing stuff to attract people because we want to have the biggest show, the nicest looking thing? We want to be the rock star church? Do we want to... Um, are we seeker sensitive? Is that the thing you want to attract people? Attractional? That's not what the church is to be. The church is to be a covenant people of God that are obedient to King Jesus and obey Him and follow His guidance and rule. And that means telling others about how they are in rebellion against their king, but they have an opportunity to be made right with Him and enter into His kingdom again. And then to provide for fellow kingdom people to care for them and then to make it an attraction of our love. Our love for one another is what should be attractional, not our fancy-schmancy buildings, not our um, slick productions, but how we care for one another. And I want to look at Isaiah also. And in Isaiah 58, I talk, and the reason I'm referring back to the book a lot is because that's where I did most of my work, where I've written out most of my work and thought through it fairly and so, um, that's, that's what's going on. Um, so in Isaiah 58, we kind of see, um, 
some things about how his people are to live. Um, a lot of Isaiah is 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 condemning um, the people for not obeying the covenant and not caring for those in need, and that's kind of the prophetic call throughout the Old Testament, anyways. And um, so there's a section in Isaiah 58 that I'm going to read, uh, verses 6, 7, and 8. Um, well, I'm going to actually um, read 6 through um, 12. Okay. Isaiah 58, 6 through 12. Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? When you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break out like dawn, and your recovery will speedily bring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will build, rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. All right. I think that's kind of a rousing um, section of Isaiah. And what it's saying is that you have to act on the ethics that I told you. And the old covenant, they couldn't do it all the way. They didn't have the Holy Spirit, but those of us in Christ have the Holy Spirit, as I've said. And so we have a very clear call. We're to bring bread to the hungry, uh, provide homes for the poor, clothing for the naked, and to not back down from this. And then our light will break out like the dawn. People will see the light of what's happening, the change in our lives, and the change that we are bringing forth into others. Now, this is not possible outside of Christ. Let me be clear of this. Anything we do that is furthering the kingdom is only through the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the, the sanctifying work that occurs in us and us becoming more like Christ, okay? And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. All of the praise will go to God, and we should elevate His glory. And we will grow weary and faint. We will get tired. It will be exhausting. It will be hard to do these things. And we will cry out to the Lord and He will be there. But we have to remove the yoke from our mess. We have to remove the hard, terrible things that we keep putting ourselves under. The burdens we keep putting ourselves under. And remember, Jesus talks about a yoke. He says his yoke is light and easy. He's going to help bear it with us and bear most of the brunt of that. We have to trust him for it instead of putting on the yoke of sin over and over again. And the, the yoke of keeping up with the Joneses. How often do you 
do things because that other family is doing that or that other person is doing that or I want to be like that or I'm afraid of missing out if I don't do this. Okay? This is, that's not the way to live. Peer pressure is not the way to live. That's what we're seeing a lot of right now. People are struggling with that. It's peer pressure. It's just like high school all over again. But we're seeing it in the mass community. We haven't matured enough beyond that. So God is saying, get rid of that. And instead, do what I've called you to do and don't worry about all the other stuff. I am your guard, your rear guard. And I'm also going to shine a light on you. I'm going to be here for you. I will guide you. I will give you strength. Remember, he, he's going to water you. He's going to make sure that you're a flourishing garden even. And we're, he's going to rebuild this kingdom through us, those of us in Christ. And how is he going to rebuild this kingdom? Through lives being changed. Through the Holy Spirit moving into people's hearts and them hearing the gospel from believers and then changing and becoming a part of this temple city. All right, We're going to become part of his people and part of his temple but we are called to care for those and it says that we have to give up our own stuff to give up stuff to provide for them you know I one thing we can do is maybe we have to eat less food you know think about your food budget um, and give up some things that's hard for me I like to eat it's not one I've really spent a lot of time thinking about, but it's something I need to really consider. Or maybe you need, we need to wear less expensive clothes. I'm not saying get rid of your clothes, okay? Particularly depending on what the climate, you might need some warm clothes. But think about it. Wear, not saying that you shouldn't wear good clothes, like good quality, well-made clothes, but maybe um, you don't need the super fancy things all the time. Or maybe you shouldn't buy cheap clothes where you have to buy them over and over again because they don't um, hold up, and so you actually end up spending more money. So you have to be wise with your finances and that. Think about that. Do you need to give up some other things? Do you have a fancy car that's a gas guzzler? Or do you have a fancy car and it just you have a lot of car costs because it costs a lot to repair it or to keep it up, or that the insurance is expensive? or any of those things. You know, what what can you downsize to be able to, to have more funds to care for those, all right? And if you want to think of it in terms of investing, you know, would you rather invest in the stock market or would you rather invest in what's going to give you eternal rewards, okay? The stock market, what the, the dividends you get from that are no good once you die. They don't do you a bit of good. Not saying that that's evil, but is it more important to to spend your time and effort with that, or to etern- get eternal rewards? Not just for yourself, but for those who you share the gospel with, those who you care for, those who see what you're doing. Remember, the it's going to shine to others, and that's what God is telling us. So, this is one of those. This is a hard thing. And and I think that we're going to spend maybe the next episode um, looking at some more of those. You know, we can look more at Jeremiah. 
Um, and we can look at some more Old Testament things, but also we can look at what's going on in James and and uh, maybe even some of the other parables. Uh, I've mentioned the widow's might. We can look at that one and just see what that means. Um, we can also look at Galatians with bearing one another's burdens and exploring how the Amish understand that and what that means and how I think that they may have, be on the right track with that. So this has not been explicitly about those individuals with severe and profound intellectual disabilities, and that's okay. Um, I think that as we continue to work through some of these things and think through some of these things, again, I'm, I care more about, I care about the biblical theology, and we just can't um, spout off things that we think we should do if we're not grounded in Scripture. And so I think that we have to have this good grounding in Scripture. So that's why I wanted to spend time on this. The beauty of doing this work is that you can obviously apply it to other areas in our Christian walk. And so this is this is one of those areas I want to spend time on. Now, just remember, just because we you care for the poor, you care for the widow or orphans or those with severe and profound intellectual disabilities or the homeless, um, that doesn't save you. It doesn't do you a lick of good. You're still going to be empty on the inside. That good feeling only lasts for a little while. What you need is to recognize that you can't do it on your own. You can't save yourself. You can't do enough good to outweigh the bad in your life. You sin too much. You've sinned too greatly and you need Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life. Right? He didn't sin. And yet he went to the cross and all of our sins got laid on him. <clears throat> and he satisfied God's wrath in that moment. He was our atonement. And then he died. And then three days later he arose again, showing that he is God and that satisfaction was made for our, our sins. And so we need to trust in Jesus' work. He now sits at the right hand of God and he is um, there as our advocate, our mediator. But he's also reminding us, hey, I'm advocating for you, but I need you to follow me. You have to be obedient to what I have taught and to my commands. Because he's now our king. So as you go forward, be mindful of those things. Be thinking about how you can maybe cut some things out of your life to free up time, money, other resources to provide for those in need. Maybe it's not spending as much time inside, but maybe um, getting a bigger garden so you can raise more vegetables to give to people in need. It's just one idea. Maybe it's uh, tilling up. I actually don't till, but uh, tearing up all your front yard to do that. When people ask, you're like, I'm trying to grow food for others. Or maybe it's... Um, just getting rid of your fancy car 
that you pay, you know, I don't know, $100 a month on insurance for when you could downsize your car and pay $50 insurance. I don't know what your local car insurance, you know, that doesn't matter. But, you know, that frees up more money, frees up you to be less worried about things. You know, what, what, why do you need that vehicle? Or maybe um, taking your kids to go spend time with an elderly lady. Um, making sure she's doing okay. Spending time with her. Spending time with people who have severe and profound intellectual disabilities. They're not going to hurt you. Probably not. Be careful. Um, be mindful of spreading um disease you know i know a lot of people are concerned about the covid-19 right now and that's a legitimate concern for those who are at, in at risk populations so be mindful of that but also the flus and another issue or if kids got a cold or something don't don't go that's just one of those things um but spend time with them call them do that kind of stuff reach out spend time with neighbors provide needs sometimes you don't know what they don't they need until you speak with them so, um, I hope you take this to heart. Please email me with any questions you have. God's Word Displayed at gmail.com. And I'll be glad to, to get back with you about that. And um, I hope to uh, have another podcast out in the near future again. I'm trying to do a little bit better. And maybe if somebody has some uh, technological expertise they can share with me about how to do interviews with podcasting i'd love to hear from you uh so take care and we'll talk again soon thanks